the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. Hey, this is Steve Teal, Very Bold Radio and Podcast. I am honored. It's been a full week of radio. Usually we just get to go once a week, but this has just been a blessing just to get to talk to different guests. And today is is really exciting, too. This is Danny Ray that we're going to talk to. He is a world-renowned ma- magician, an illusionist, and he's just written a book. Uh, and the book is uh, delightful, helpful, ins- inspirational. Those are my words. And the book is called No, I Can't Make Your Wife Disappear, A Magician's Guide to a Magical Marriage. I've got to read about half of it. It's really good, very practical. It's fun. It's light. I love the hook of magic. And uh, so let's say hi to Danny Ray, first of all. Danny, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me on the show. Looking forward to it. Well, thanks for making time for us. Thanks for writing this book. We've got several different things to talk about. And I want to just say it's mostly going to be you talking, I promise. But um, my friends, my listeners, uh, my people, they don't all know that I love magic. I don't perform magic. I love watching good magic. And so my go-to show is a show called Penn and Teller Fool Us. And I've been watching it since I, I feel like in the beginning they may have filmed in Britain or something in, uh, in England. And I, I love it. And Danny, you are about to be on Penn and Teller. Man, what can you tell us about that? Oh, my goodness. It's been a crazy journey. So yeah. for the last 18 years, I've been on the road, you know, sharing the gospel through illusions. Yes. And I love, like yourself, I love magic. I love seeing great magic. And by God's grace, I love performing great magic. And so yes. in 2019, we did, I think, 172 shows. And Wait, wait, time out, time out, it. time out, Danny. We just have yes. to, like, say that again. That's crazy. 172 it's, shows? Yeah, it is a little crazy. <laughs> uh, but it's it's been a journey. <laughs> yeah. And so, obviously, 2020, we end up, we had a hundred shows cancel in March and April of 2020. Yeah. And for years, people have said, you should do Penn and Teller. You should do America's Got Talent. And every time we'd pray about it and we just felt like God's telling us no. And we're like, let's not look left or right. Let's keep going forward. Let's not, you know, try to go like, Ooh, that'd be great to go do and, you know, get into a tangent. Well, in 2020, it was like, well, what else are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so we actually it was in 2021 that we actually applied. And so February 27th, I sent them sent them an email. But to be honest, like yeah. I wasn't even on board with it. I was like, I don't know. Like we prayed about it. That's fine. If you guys think, you know, my my wife and Gretchen, who's my manager, 
you know, they're, they're like, we really think you should do it. I'm like, all right. And so literally I wow. sent them an email. Hey guys, here's a video. Let me know if you like it. Like, I mean, that was That's awesome. like the extent. It wasn't like, Hey, I'd really love to be on your show. <laughs> I think you guys are you know, right. It's just like, right. eh. and I, man, I love that. I, I got an email back, you know, saying we would like you to think through performing this for Allison and Penn and Teller, no audience. And we would like you to write a script up for that. Oh. So I was like, okay, so there's interest, but it's not a yes, you know? Yeah. And so I wrote up a script and they, you know, said, well, we like some of it. We don't like this, you know? And so I rewrote the <laughs> script and then they helped rewrite it. And for over wow. a month, I was writing a script back and forth with no, like, you're in. You no know? promise. And then, yeah. Yeah, no promises. Then they had me work with the magic consultant, which... You know, it's in the magic field, he's a legend, Michael Close. I started reading his books when I was 14 years old. He started okay. performing some of his tricks at a restaurant I was working at at 15 years old. and That's crazy, uh, too. To be able to kind of meet with him face-to-face, it was pretty epic. And then after yeah. working with him on the method, which ended up changing a lot from the time we started to the um, – to the um, recording the show You're which was in me. june and so yeah but after i worked with the magic consultant they sent me an email saying we'll see you in vegas and so that's the the version of the story that, that you're getting today i mean there's a lot of details in there that i could you know go into detail on but yeah uh, okay well um i might just have to see if we can talk another time because i i love uh i love big stories and big details and uh, so I might have to just see if we can uh, get you on another time to talk through maybe maybe after it's on TV and and uh, you have an opportunity sometime just to talk about that. That's coming up on December 3rd. Um, and uh, that that is just going to be I, I can't wait. Now, it's crazy to me and I'll, I'll hold off on those questions so we can talk about your book. But it is crazy to me. I would have no idea that they would have you meet with uh, the consultant and that then you're basically your illusion your trick would change i mean after coaching and like that kind of blows my mind can you say something about that and then we can hold the rest for another time <laughs> yeah so this is a piece i've done over a thousand times okay the, essentially i play russian roulette with my eyeball what <laughs> what <laughs> if you yeah, um, I'm not saying it's a great idea, but that's <laughs> it. And you could see why Penn and Teller would like that. Like that's oh, right yeah. up, especially Penn Valley with, yeah. you know, uh, kind of a circus starting background and some variety act stuff. And so uh, if you look at the website, not this isn't to promote my website, but no, if, if you yes, look at the website, yeah. dannyraymagic.com, you could see currently on there, there's a picture of the, the device that I'm using. And... So I I had a method for it that was great, but it was one layer of deception. It was never meant to fool magicians. I got gotcha. when the when the producer saw it, the magic consultant saw it, they loved it. But then for three months I started to develop like how do I fool Penn and Teller? Oh. Like, how does that happen? Like that's a whole different level yeah. uh, that I've ever had to do of trying to fool. Uh, I, I've worked the Magic Castle, which is a yeah. you know the premier magic club Big in the deal. world, and Big it's down deal. in Hollywood. I've done that 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, just I was saying, yeah, that's a big deal. Go on. Yeah. It is, and it was a childhood dream. And uh, the week my daughter was born, 16 years ago, I performed there for the first time. I've been there every year since. Wow. And so with the Magic Castle, there's a lot of magicians there. And so I've worked on fooling magicians, but it's different because you're really there to entertain the magicians and their guests. Yeah. And yeah, if you fool them, that's a bonus. But for you know Penn and Teller, the whole show is called Fool Us. Right, you know? right. So it's a different equation. And so it went from one layer of deception to creating eight layers of deception. Oh, my gosh. You're kidding. Yeah. It was. It made something that was really simple yeah. into it really – it still appears really simple, but the complexities behind the scenes – are really uh, like deep and it involved what looks like no sleight of hand, a lot of sleight of hand. And, uh, you know, so it just like, I had to make it appear like I'm doing nothing when there's all these layers of deception going on. And so, yeah. And it it was a crazy journey and, you know, I, I can't. No, 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 no. Of course. I wouldn't Um, even ask. yeah, it's it's a I, I, w- I was really thankful for the opportunity. And yeah, yeah I, I'll, okay. I'll let you see what happens on December I, 3rd. You know, I can't wait. All right. Just one last question about that. I promise this is it. Yeah. Just, no, I'm, you I'm, could ask whatever you want. That OK. Way. OK. All right. <clears throat> Just um, for you adding those layers in. So this is a trick before that you've done a thousand times adding all those different elements. Did that wind up being like challenging for you because you had to rehearse and practice it like X amount of times, or was it something that was pretty easy to incorporate? No, 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 this is not easy. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I went into a dark hole. <laughs> okay. So mm-hmm. I was practicing about 10 hours a day. And what I would do is I would set. So the, the piece was seven minutes long. Oh. I got it down to six by the end. They asked for five, but I told them, look, you guys want these extra pieces in it. <laughs> like they wanted this whole thing. Like I, I had offered it and they were like, we love that. I was like, well, that adds a minute to an already five minute routine. Yeah. And so, or five or six minutes. And so they, they said, ah, we'll figure out cutting it. It's fine. Don't worry about the time. So, but what I would do is I would set a clock for 25 minutes and at the every minute so at minute one minute two minute three yeah i would work on the same exact part of the routine for 50 seconds reset it for 10 seconds and then work on it again and i would just work on 50 seconds of the routine for a week two weeks at a time then go to the next minute and it was the most intense i've worked on a trick possibly ever but definitely since i was a kid like i used to work on things blindfolded and all kinds of different things when i was a kid to like develop my sleight of hand but for this i went into a deep hole to go like okay i need to try to do everything i possibly can to make this just seem like i'm not doing anything 
when there's actually a lot more going on than there appears to be. Wow. And so you've appeared, I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever added up, but 172 shows in one year, you've been doing this for a long time. You've done this around the world. Was, can I ask you, was being on Penn and Teller, was it just a little bit more nerve wracking when you walked out to stage on stage, did you feel like or rehearsal or whatever? Did you just feel like, Nope, I've, I've got it. I'm good. This is just another, I'm ready to go. What was your attitude then? Yeah. So uh, about a half hour before I was on stage, I had a team that was ready to pray for me. I went yeah. into, um, th- this sounds weird, but I went into silence for 72 hours before no phone calls, no emails, no texts, no talking to my wife, no talking to kids, anybody. Wow. And I I just went into like a, a kind of a focus mode of like praying and asking God for direction, practicing, laying everything out I needed to. I didn't want to be distracted or forget anything. And so the first time I talked to anybody was when a group of people through Zoom rallied around me to pray for me for that moment. Wow. And one of the prayers in that moment was that I would be completely calm as if I've done mm. this a thousand times for Penn and Teller. It's not no big deal, but it there's right. a confidence there. And so it's weird. I've been like I'm not I'm not saying I don't get nervous. I get nervous for things. Sure. But I'm backstage and I I'm just not I don't want to say calm, but it wasn't like nervous. I wasn't shaky. I wasn't like, oh man, what am I doing? You know, like, yeah. can't believe. it was just like, okay, uh, I'm going to do this. This is everything I prepared for. And so yeah. I walked out on the stage, Penn and Teller there and directly in front of me, maybe 15 feet, 20 feet in front of me. And then um, Allison is talking to the stage manager off to the left. The lights are down on stage. Yeah. Teller says, uh, hey, Danny, I'm glad to have you on the show. Thanks for doing this. And, you know, I said, hey, thanks for having me. It's a real honor to be here. And, you know, Penn says, you're going to do great. Have fun. And then they go back to kind of talking amongst themselves. And I, you know, this is before cameras come on. I, I kind yeah. of jump up a couple times, just stretch a little bit. Yeah. And and then uh, the lights come up and Allison introduces and, you know, and then I go into my routine. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is, I mean, that does sound kind of to me like that supernatural sort of, uh, peace and calm. I know you had to like focus on it. I know you had that prayer. It just sounds like God was really giving, uh, giving you exactly what you needed. Yeah. I was really thankful for those prayers that sustain, um, us during, you know, crazy moments that are unique opportunities to, to get God's word out there. All right. That's awesome. Well, speaking of uh, getting God's uh, word out there again, the book is no, I can't make your wife disappear. A magician's guide to a magical marriage. Uh, This book is great. Y'all what I've got to read is about half. And um, I just, I can't, I just love it. I have a heart for marriages um, and I just love both. It's, Simplicity, simplicity in the best way. Um, it's just very practical. 
Uh, it's lighthearted, and I love the the hook of magic. So I know a couple of things from the book that I could ask you about. I could ask you about dealing with hecklers and how you talk about helping marriages in that way. I could talk about um, when uh, you were in New York and doing a big uh, an illusion, and it did not go very well. And I know how you relate that to marriages. <laughs> so which one would you uh, would you like to share with us? Man, there's there are so many things yeah. that way. The one of my favorites is, and you read this one if you got to the hecklers one. Is yes. how to read minds. Yeah. Is sometimes we think, oh, or we'll hear, you know, you can't read your spouse's mind, or you can't read my husband's mind, wife's mind. And as a magician, uh, you know, I do mind reading pieces in my show. You know, where you're apparently reading somebody's right. mind. Right. And. Uh, what mind readers do is they just use information. With a little bit of information, they're able to create the appearance that they know a lot about a person. Mm. Well, in our marriages, we get to use information that we get over time about who our spouse is mm. to be able to encourage them, empower them, love on them, speak life into them. And the example I give in the book is if my wife, you know, she calls me on the way home from work and she's like, I'm exhausted. It's been a crazy day. I know, like, she loves to relax in the bath. She loves a good book. And I'll bring her favorite meal. And if I do that, all of a sudden, it's like, you read my mind. That's exactly what I wanted. Well, I know Mm. her favorite things. And that's because she's given me that information over time. But it could appear like you're a mind reader. You know, when you learn to not just know what your wife or your, your spouse likes, but you use that information to encourage, empower, and love on them and, you know, treat them the way you would want to be treated in a difficult situation. Another one, you know, the first chapter is on misdirection, right? which a lot of people think, you know, it's like fake left, go right. But misdirection that, you know, magicians use are, yeah. it's all about getting you to focus on the right thing so you That's... could experience astonishment. Yeah. And in our marriages, you have that similar thing is when you focus on the right things, you're going to experience joy and you're going to experience um, hope and love mm. in that relationship instead of, you know, focusing on ourselves. You know, it's easy to get selfish in a marriage and to to make it about you and what you want instead of having the attitude of team us and, you know, what, yeah. how can I serve the other person well? Right. Well, talk to us just about communication. Talk to us about how words can make such a difference. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, one of the things that I I read when I was like 21, 22, and I couldn't tell you the book, unfortunately, but the the concept was this, is Jesus never said anything negative about himself. And then we, um, you know, even mm. as the people of God, we end up saying negative things about ourselves, And so we kind of ingrain these negative thoughts about who we are, like, oh, I'm a horrible husband. Uh, she doesn't mm. like when I do this. Uh we we just have this negative, like thinking. But but God says that you are chosen, that you are loved, that you are redeemed, that you are forgiven. And then in Philippians, it talks about living up to what we've already attained. Yeah. So what does it look like when we begin to think about ourselves as chosen, as loved, mm. as blessed, and then we are able to speak words of truth and life into our our um, spouse. Instead of the negative messages that we're telling ourselves tend to flow out of our mouth, and then we speak those negative things to one another, and we tear each other down instead of lifting each other up, which is what 
I think all of us want to do, but it, it's mm. the daily patterns that we set up for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Can you share if you can, I, I know that's a while ago, but can you think of like thoughts that you catch your, your, of yourself that may be negative that you kind of have to like push out of your mind to go to the positive? Can you think of an example? I'm putting you on the spot, Danny. Yeah, no, no. Uh, is, so, you know, Steve, when I was a, a kid before I came to faith in Christ, I came to faith in Christ at 17. Yeah. Anger was a, a huge part of just who I was. My biological father took off when I was about four or five years old. And, you know, brother and sister, you know, we'd get in fights or whatever. And I, I was just not, I don't want to say always angry, but I was very angry a lot. And honestly, the magic was like an escape yeah. from frustration and from pain and, you know, and, and it, you know, get, brought me into my own world where I was able to work on stuff and develop a, um, a, a skill set. But part of that was due to not being able to deal with anger. Mm. And then when I became a believer, that didn't change. I was still angry all the time. Interesting. Not, not, I say all the time, but it was just consistent. Like there was just kind of an underlining anger. Sure. And two things I think changed that. Yeah. When I was, 18 years old, I found out that my biological father was in prison for, wow. uh, for uh, just some pretty horrendous crimes. Okay. And, and I, wow. I went through the process of forgiving him and wrote him a note or a, a letter in prison and just let him know, like, Christ has forgiven me much. I want to let you know that I've forgiven you. And it was a really like battle in my soul to write that because oh. by far this man hurt me more than anybody else without ever saying a word. Yeah. You know, just by his absence, there was a growing anger of like, what's the matter with me mm. that he doesn't want to be in my life? And, you know, when I would ask my mom as a kid, you know, she would say he's probably out with some other woman and, you mm. know, he, you know, probably gambling, you know, his life away. He's probably in jail. Like I would hear like these kind of grandiose statements. Yeah. And, you know, later I would find out, you know, like my brother remembers kind of prostitutes coming in and out of the house. Even at four right. years old, one of my first memories is waking up at another woman's house, you know, and I w wasn't even sure that memory was true until they confirmed it when, you know, wow. I was 18 and we had some of these conversations. Wow. And so, uh, so I think the, the process of forgiving him yeah. Um, was the beginning of like the releasing of some of that anger. And then, mm. and this isn't a moment I'm proud of, Steve, but yeah. uh, the day I asked my, my wife to marry me. So December 30th, um, 421 PM, um, 1991, <laughs> yeah. I asked her to marry or sorry, 93. I asked her to marry me. Yeah. And the day before that, my sister she says, like, at midnight, hey, I need to go pick up my purse. I left it at my boyfriend's house. And I was like, Maureen, you could get in the morning. We're not going now. And she's like, I'm going to wake up, Dad, or you need to take me down there. And so I, I said, okay, I'll take you down there. Well, it's 30 minutes away. We park. And I sit there for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. At 30 minutes, I'm just like, she's not picking up her purse. Like she's at a party. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So 
I'm just so frustrated. I have no idea where this party is. So I just open up the door, start walking down the street. I hear like, you know, loud music. I go to the door and just like bang on the door. And I'm like, where's Maureen? You know, and you know, like I'm yelling at whoever opened the front. Well, what's funny is it was my future brother-in-law that opened the door. And he talks about that as our first meeting where I'm yelling, (laughs) I'm shirtless and in pajamas because it's midnight. Right, right, right. Um, (laughs) But, you know, my sister, she's like, I'm just going to stay. I'm like, no, you're getting back in the car. Let's go. Uh, So we get back in the car and I'm yelling at her and I get in the car, I drive erratically. And I remember praying that that night, like, God, I never want to be like this again. And that's the last time I could say I was like enraged. Yeah. I've been angry since, but it's a whole different deal. Wow. And I, yeah. So I think when you say like, how do I look at myself as I used to look at myself, like as a, you know, as an angry person, I'd feed that with music, with mm-hmm. writing things that were really negative about who I am, about, um, you know, there was poetry or, you know, just things I would write. Right. And then I, I just remember asking God, like, I don't want to be like this anymore. And then when I read that in a, in a book that Jesus never said anything negative, I was like, well, then I want to follow him in that. And so I started that pattern of not allowing myself to say negative things. And obviously you're not perfect in that, but it's different to, to have like years of strategies and patterns of saying things that are true um, because God says them about you and trying to speak those words of life more than the, the negative things that might come up. Man, that is, uh, that is a really great story. Um, that is very beautiful. So for you, you said that was the last time that you were like enraged, not that there isn't anger and stuff, but just that all out anger. Um, did you feel like besides just teaching those new or learning those new habits, new patterns, um, did, was that almost miraculous? I mean, that just sounds like a light switch. Like, you know, you've had all this rage and now you don't, how would you define that for me? I would, I would definitely say miraculous and awareness. Okay. Like I do think God intervened in that prayer and like, I begged him like, God, I never want to be like this, like driving yeah. erratically and realizing you could have hurt your sister, mm. killed your sister, yourself, like that's over somebody else. Yeah. Like that's just, it, it's, and, and I realized people have done it. I'm saying of myself, like it's right. idiotic. And I was <laughs> like, I do not want to be that type of man. Yeah. And it, the other thing that was happening simultaneously, sorry, this is a, a, a while ago to yeah. try to process what, what happened there yeah. is I was, is I was in a, as I was accountable to another man for the first time in my life, his mm. name was Rick Cook. And at 19 years old, he started discipling me and keeping me accountable. Mm. And that was one of the things that I, I brought to him and just said, would you pray for me? And in, mm. in like a shame, like just like I was embarrassed to be that angry and admit that to somebody else. But I do think there's healing mm. and confession, you know, yeah. is that oftentimes we want to just confess to God and it creates this cycle of like, 
We go out, we do something we don't want to do. We go back to God, we ask for forgiveness, and then we go back out and do the same thing. Instead of confessing to another brother or sister in Christ, yeah, and that breaks that cycle because there's an openness to it instead of this secret. Mm. And so that was the first time I could remember sharing with another person, like, I don't want to be that type of man and him yeah. praying for me consistently, yeah. you know, in the the area of anger that that would no longer be a part of my life. And so I think allowing that into the open for the first time, yeah, it was, I think, therapeutic and healing in ways that I, I probably still don't understand. Yeah. Wow. Man, that is really, uh, really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Danny. Um, the book is No, I Can't Make Your Wife Disappear. We're having all sorts of just great conversation and great insights from Danny, uh, just about faith and life as well. Um, man, uh, this book is excellent. If somebody's just tuning in right now and really practical, there's, there's humor in it. There's a lightheartedness about it, but there's just truth in there. Um, Danny, tell me just something that's on your heart that you want to share. I've already taken more of your time than I was planning for you, but, um, could you just tell us just something on your heart? If there's someone that's struggling in a marriage right now, um, maybe there's, uh, maybe there's, you know, one of the spouses is just hurting and broken. And the other one is, I don't looking for a way out of the marriage. Um, I, anything you could just say, or would speak to somebody that might be listening in that situation. We, we all want to have a, a great marriage. Like, I don't think anybody starts out on their wedding day going, like, I, I hope my marriage falls apart quickly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But there, there are choices, and there's actions, and there's failures and successes in, in marriage. And we get into patterns that we look back and go, we're, we're really not in the place that we want to be. We've chosen things. Some are our fault. Some aren't. But one of the things I would encourage you to do is go, what would it take today to create a great marriage, mm. to create a good marriage, to start in the right direction? And then I would literally do whatever it takes to do that. Yeah. So the example I give is the first year in our marriage, I had struggled with pornography since before puberty. Long story on that with sexual abuse and things that mm. happened early on in, in my life. But with pornography, it was it was an addiction. And when I got married, I thought, that's going to go away. Well, our first yeah. year of marriage, I'm in Colorado Springs. Nobody knows who I am. I drive by this porn shop, and I decide, you know what? I'm going to go in. And so I go in and quickly go, like, what am I doing? And, like, ashamed, walk out what. Well, end up telling my wife she's really hurt by that mm. and we end up you know going into counseling and the counselor starts to work through my family history and some of the damage that was done early on and how do we you know bring that into today's context of like what's going on with you you know wanting to go in a different direction yeah. and some of the ideas that he gave really helped. Mm. And we we went home that night. And I remember telling my wife, Kimberly, I said, babe, I want to do whatever it takes to create a great marriage. I don't like going to therapy. I don't want to be there. But if that's what it's going to take, mm. let's do that. And so we did counseling. And 
anytime we haven't been able to resolve something, you know, that whole verse of don't let the sun go down on your anger, yeah. we'll go to a pastor, we'll go to a friend, we'll go to a counselor. We don't wait a week. We don't wait a month. We do it as soon as we possibly can. And it's been embarrassing at times to show up at a friend's house and just go, we don't know how to work through this, yeah. or a pastor's house and just go like, we need help now. We're, yeah. we're on different pages. Would you help us out? But that's what I would encourage people. It's yeah. like, it, it, it takes you, w- and I realize, unfortunately, sometimes it's one spouse that yeah. wants to make things right. And if you're in that situation, all you could do is work on yourself and who God's designed you to be mm-hmm. and being able to show grace and love and forgiveness to the um, to your spouse. Yeah. You can't force them into, hey, we're going to have a great marriage. But ideally, if both of you are, you know, not happy with the marriage, but you want a better marriage, my question for you would be, what are you willing to do to make that great? Mm. And my answer is anything it takes. And I told Steve Mm. before we started, we're not on cruise control. Like, oh, yeah, everything's great. We don't have any problems anymore. We're constantly working out the principles in this book, not you know, it's not like we, we get the exemption or, you know, right. we, we get a pass on things because we wrote a book on this stuff. <laughs> it's, it was a struggle to write a book because it was like, now we're kind of opening up and saying, hey, we have it together. We're not <laughs> saying our marriage is perfect. We're saying these things have worked for us and a lot of people we know, and we hope that it'll be helpful for other people and practical to create health, strength and hope in your marriage. Man, that is good. The book again is no, I can't make your wife disappear. What a man, what a great time to go ahead and get this book. It just came out like, I mean, yesterday, I think it just came out. So go on Amazon, go to your bookseller, get this book. It's a great, it's very timely because we know that uh, the holidays are coming and that is uh, very sadly, sometime, uh, one of the main times that marriages just somebody's decided we're, we're done or we're going to be done. They're making plans for it. This would be a great, um, Christmas present. And, uh, I know you may not think of it in those terms, but man, what, what better thing could you do than to help somebody with their marriage? No, I can't make your wife disappear. A magician's guide to a magical marriage. Um, it is everything I said. It's fun. It's insightful. The hook I love because I really enjoy magic, but it's very simple for anybody else. Even if you don't appreciate uh, magic like I do, it's, it's a really good, good book. Danny Ray has done a great job. His wife, Kimberly, also has um, little segments in the book called Kimberly's Corner, and uh, it's just really good. So I want to encourage you to pick this up. I want to remind you to watch Danny Ray on uh, Penn and Teller on December 3rd. And uh, Danny, man, if if you come to Texas anytime soon or whenever, I I want to see your show. I want to see I want to see you in action. I want to see what you do and uh, what a gift you have for reaching people with the gospel, with the truth. And uh, now using that same hook to um, to reach people just to to build great marriages. That's awesome. All right. Danny, uh, I've got one last question that just kind of came back around to me. Um, I'm just yeah. curious. It may not be a satisfying answer, but you, that letter of forgiveness that you wrote to your dad, was there any resolution to that? Can you share with us kind of did anything happen or was it just for you? You you did what you were supposed to do, and that's kind of the end of the story. It, it's definitely not the end of the story. Um, okay. So, 
Wow, Steve, that's, it's a big question. I'm trying I know. to give you the, the fast version of well, it. Well, you only give the it's fast still... version because you need to go. But if you've got time for the long version, we'll take it. But you, you tell the version okay, you want to tell. You, I'll give you as much as, as you have time for. I have time. so We've got time. So at 18 years old, I wrote him a letter. He wrote me back. And I might have written him one more time. Maybe he writes me one more time. But ultimately, we kind of like lose touch. It's not like, you know, like I had anything else necessarily to say. I just wanted to let him know, you know, that I, I have forgiven him. Right. Yeah. And so some time passes, I'm probably 25, 26 and he gets out of prison to my knowledge. He, you know, he goes back to gambling to the day he died. He he gambled Mm. and was a, you know, a con man. And he, um, he ends up living in his car, living in, you know, apartments kind of around San Diego. Yeah. And then I get a call. I'm probably 32 and get a call from my mom. And she said, Hey, I want to let you know, Phil. Um, so that's my biological father. Phil got in contact with me. Um, and I contacted his doctors to verify this information. And mm-hmm. he's had two heart attacks. They're giving him a few months to live. If you would like to meet him before he passes, I have his information. Wow. And so my brother, my sister, and I are sitting on the couch, almost not same couch, but same area. My parents have lived in the same house forever. And so um, it's reminiscent of that conversation we had at 18 when he was in prison and they were letting us know for the first time. Yeah, And so I, my, my brother says, if he was to walk through that door right now, I would kill him. Wow. And there's nobody that could stop me. Wow. And my brother's about six, four, and he's a big guy. And yeah. at least nobody in that room would have been able to stop him. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. Um, and Man. my sister's like, if he walked through that door, I would just throw my arms around him and you know, like yeah. kind of like fairyland. I was just like, what? Like he <laughs> left on her eighth birthday mm. and that it was devastating for like to this day, her birthday's difficult, mm. you know, when you're, you know, your dad leaves at eight years old. Right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So that's the, the conversation. And, and yeah. I'm like, I don't have any like connection, like, like, oh, I hope like things are great, but I do want to meet him. Yeah. So my sister and I set up a, a time to meet with them, and we're at Coco's in Chula Vista down oh, in yeah. San Diego yeah. and sit across from them for the first time in my life. Like, it's wow. a bizarre deal. Like, the the vision or pictures I have in my four- or five-year-old brain of, you know, him, this charming man with flowing hair, handsome, muscular, all those things, he's now an older man mm. um, and you know uh, prison catches up with you time catches up with you time on the street catches up with you you know he's lived a hard life and you can see it on his face yeah um, at one point in that conversation he holds up his you know monster size hand I put my hand up to his hand mm. and you know it's kind of this moment that I'll, I'll remember forever I'm just like you know there's just this moment of like you know, this is my biological father, you know, this Mm. is, it's a weird moment, but 
to be honest, there was a lot of questions with abuse and different things that happened, okay. especially directly involved with my sister. Mm. So I asked him a lot of those questions. Wow. He denied a lot of oh, it. Oh, boy. And yeah. over the next couple months, I had several of those conversations where it seemed like he was telling the truth. And I talked to my brother-in-law and talked to my sister and found out that she had basically projected all the things onto him of abuse that other people had done to her. Oh, my gosh. And so he was, not that he's innocent, but in the areas that I had thought my whole life he was guilty of, he was innocent of. And so probably four months into these conversations, maybe three or four conversations, a couple on the phone, two or three face-to-face, I eventually tell him, Look, I I have all my questions answered. I'm not going to ever ask you something about the past. If you want to start a re- relationship, you know, moving forward, I would love to do that. If you ever want to ask anything about the past, uh, I'm an open book. You can ask me. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to ask you to try to figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. I have enough of that to understand. And so I think the healing power of reconciliation and forgiveness out did what doctors thought because he ended up living another eight years. Oh my gosh. And wow. In that process, we crazy, you know, I, I would meet with them on a regular basis eventually. And this is one of those things I had to talk my wife into as a very difficult conversation of going, what would it look like to allow him to meet the kids and so for Thanksgiving, for uh, essentially eight years before he passed, we'd meet with him for, you know, 20, 30 minutes as a family. Wow. And uh, he, I, I think those moments brought life in a way. And and then you see the, the unfortunate side of like, he could have been a great dad, a great grandpa, yeah. all those things. But, you know, his life cho- choices, you know, choosing to do you know things that that right. led to his incarceration you know that is just unfortunate right. for um for family you know and right. but in the end we tried to love him show him god's grace he definitely heard the gospel sure. and to be honest with you it's still like one of you know he came to my show at least twice where i would share the gospel mm. but i don't know whether right. he ever put his faith in christ you know and those are right difficult things when he when he eventually passed you know those are you know hard things yep. to to swallow but god holds mercy and justice and grace and all those things in his hand right so. wow man that is uh that is a pretty powerful story you're a survivor i mean you just a, as a person you are you persevere you survive and then you not just survive i mean you make things a lot of people would have just stayed away from their biological dad after all that, not sorted through it, not, you know, made time on Thanksgiving, 15, 20 minutes, all those things. Um, man, that is a very special quality that you have, Danny. That's amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I genuinely just attribute it to, to Christ. That's not to, yeah. it's, I, I just, I know it sounds simple, but I just try to 
read the word and what does God say and try to do it. Yeah. And there, I just don't see the place for, for not forgiving. And I get that people don't want to forgive their fathers, their, their moms for certain things that they've done. But I just don't see the, the place for it when we, when we go to the scriptures and just go like, what, what would God do? Yeah. What's he done for us? And that doesn't, it's not the easy road. Uh, right. it, it, and it's, it was difficult. It's through, you know, lots of, of tears and prayers and pain of going through that process. Yeah. But on the other end, it, it brought joy. Um, I know for him, like there was, yeah, I, I think a joy that happened as a result of that and hope to a person that was really in a hopeless situation. Yeah. So. Yeah, man, that's good. Well, everything you just said also, um, I mean, applies and you talk about often in the book or you cover, cover it well, just about forgiveness and not holding resentment and, uh, working through things. And I, I do see that as a, as a problem in, in marriages, just when somebody continues to sort of stack up, uh, keep that record of wrongs and just it stacks up, stacks up until, you know, you just have nothing left but resentment. And so <clears throat> I don't know if you have anything to say to that. I mean, you've kind of said it, but if there's anything you want to add before we close, uh, man, let's hear it, Danny. This is great. Yeah, it is. I would just encourage you is I think maybe the first step for somebody is having a conversation with somebody else. And the, one of the things that we've invested yeah. in it through our lives is wise counsel yeah. is going to people that are further along that have gone through the things that, that they're on the other side yeah. of reconciling with somebody and talking to them and going like, how did you do it? Yeah. You know, what would you do? Why, you know, what are the benefits? What, you know, why should I do this? Should I not do it? And by the way, there yeah. is just to clarify, yeah. there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. I think the scriptures um, are clear that we need to forgive everybody, yeah. but I don't think it's clear uh -huh. um, or um, called upon us to reconcile with everybody. If somebody's been yeah. raped, I don't think there's like God going like, Hey, you need to go reconcile and be with them. Like that's right. probably a very unhealthy position, right. but to hold unforgiveness and anger and bitterness towards that person that's just going to end up ruining your life instead of showing forgiveness. And maybe that person, because you have forgiven them, whether they're aware of that or not, that, uh, they, mm -hmm. that could change the trajectory of their life where maybe they become a different person because they've been shown forgiveness mm. in a tangible way. Yeah. So. Wow. No, that is really important. I think Christians, we just kind of uh, look at the surface of it and just hear, you know, not from scripture, but, you know, forgive and forget. And so then we do imagine just that, okay, so I'm supposed to be friends again. I'm supposed to be this. I'm supposed to be that. I think that, you know, brings some clarification for us, Danny. That's really helpful. Forgiveness is not, I was going to say forgiveness is, is definitely not the easy process to go through in, especially in the context of our marriages. Yeah. You know, there's, Probably, you know, when you talk about marriages that are hurting and um, are struggling, there's probably a lot of unforgiveness yeah. into the humility that it takes. I mean, there's times where literally I've got on my knees and like, babe, I am 
so sorry. I I did not mean to treat you like that yeah. or to say those things. Please forgive me. Instead of, you know, kind of standing up like, hey, babe, I'm sorry. Like, that's not a right. You're not seeking forgiveness. There's an arrogance in that. Yeah. And forgiveness requires humility. And 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 it's difficult to to go through those things. But we and I know Kim in one of her Kimberly's Corner tries to talk about the, this idea when we forgive. It's like not just like I forgive you, yeah. but what can I do to make you feel better? What can I do to make things mm, right? What yes. can I do to get us back on the same page? Yeah. And those are two different things. So, yeah, that was yeah. really helpful in the book, too. That was really good. There's there's more to it in the book. Uh, Can't Make Your Wife Disappear, A Magician's Guide to a Magical Marriage. Um, go ahead and order that. Order a couple. Um, very, very good, very practical. And, uh, it's, it's going to bless some marriages, maybe yours or maybe somebody that you care about. Hey, Danny, um, this has been great. And I'm going to put you on the spot one more time and just ask if you wouldn't mind praying for people that are listening that are either, um, in a hard spot with their marriages or are feeling compassion and sadness for a marriage that they, they want to see restored and see healing. Do you mind doing that, Danny? I would, I would be honored okay. and love to do that. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we just lift up the, the listeners that are listening right now, Lord, and they, they're in the midst of a marriage where they're, they're struggling, they're, there's pain, maybe a sadness um, in themselves or maybe in the marriage. Lord, I pray that you would bring hope into their marriage, that you would bring health into their marriage, that you would bring purpose into their marriage, that you'd remind them that you have a great plan for both of them mm. and that you're going to bring restoration and healing. Mm. Lord, I pray that they would lean into your promises, that they would trust you in you in ways that maybe they've never had to do before to lean on you and not on their own understanding. Mm. Lord, I pray that you would you bring your blessing and your favor on marriages. Lord, I pray as marriages are restored, Lord, that they would disciple and mentor and encourage other marriages. Lord, because marriages are just foundational to, to change the trajectory of our, our communities, to change our, our politics, to change our, our cities, to change our world. Yes. Lord, so I pray that you would create strong marriages and anybody who's struggling would make the choice to do whatever it takes to create a healthy and a great marriage. God, I pray that you would give them the tools, the resources, the people, the the ideas, the, the wisdom. Lord, I pray that they would sense your love, that they would know that you are for them, mm. that you would comfort them in their darkest hour. Lord, that they would know that they're not alone, that you are for them. Lord, and wherever they are today, Lord, I pray that they would take just one step in the right direction. Yes. Lord, and that you would just bless them and encourage them for doing that. God, we thank you for everybody listening and just pray that you would do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Mm, yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Danny, Amen. thank you so much. That was awesome, all of it, and the prayer uh, just is a real blessing. So thank you so much. The book is excellent. You've done really good. And we do pray that this gets in the hands of a lot of people. And uh, we play, uh, pray that God continues to expand your stage, your ministry, your impact, 
And we're grateful and thankful just realizing all the impact, not realizing God realizes, but understanding just the impact in your ministry that you've had um, over these years uh, is just much bigger than we can imagine. And just thanking you and Kimberly for that. And uh, again, one last time, no, I can't make your wife disappear. A magician's Guide to a Magical Marriage. And the website is Danny Ray Magic. Dot com, Dan, DannyRayMagic.com, and uh, you can find him on Twitter and social media, all that, or Facebook at least, and Instagram, DannyRayMagic.com, and the book you can get anywhere. $15 retail, $14.99, come on, that's a bargain. Uh, that's a great deal. So, um, Danny, and don't forget, Danny's going to be on Penn & Teller. If you've never watched the show, it's a great time to tune in, and uh, I love the suspense. Uh, we don't know if uh, Danny winds up fooling them, um, but we know that God was with Danny and uh, we are, we're excited to see, uh, see it on TV. So uh, Danny, thank you so much for uh, really blessing us today and blessing people with your book as well. Thank you, Steve. It's an honor to be on the show and yeah, really, really blessed to be able to put this book out. I hope it helps change and bring health to marriages and bring joy and strategies to some marriages that might already be doing um, excellent and just get them continuing in the right direction. Yeah, it's going to do that for sure, Danny. Thank you so much. Can you hold on one second while I just sign off for the show? Yeah. All right. Um, Man, we just... I just want to have you focus for a moment wherever you are on the hope of Jesus Christ, the same Jesus Christ who who helped Danny when he was young with that issue with anger and not just Jesus doing it supernaturally, but bringing a man into his life who would mentor him and, and help pray for him and be uh, help Danny be accountable for that. I just want you to remember the, the great hope of just following God's word that Danny's talking about. I love that. I just think it's so beautiful. Just, hey, this is what scripture says, so let's Let's do it, including reaching out and forgiving his dad and and dealing through that uh, or working through that. Um, just amazing things. That's to me the the reality, the hope of Jesus Christ. His rules or his his teaching, his principles they're they're not they're not some fairy tale. They're really to help us to experience his joy and life and love and purpose in this life and to make a difference for the kingdom in other people's lives. I hope and I pray that we see Danny's biological dad when we're in the presence of God. But guess what? If Danny hadn't been willing to be a vessel, willing to share the gospel through his shows, um, who knows if his biological father would have heard the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Someone in your life hears the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ through you, and it might just be you. And somebody, that seed is going to blossom, and it is going to grow, and they're going to become Christ-like, and their marriage is going to be transformed, and their family is going to be transformed. That is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is, we serve a real and living God. So would you please in your own life, think about the hope that he has given you. Think about the hope that he's given you. Think about what he's done for you. And then just remember, this is why we're called Very Bold Radio and Podcast and Very Bold Ministries, because of that great hope. The Apostle Paul wrote this, 2 Corinthians 3.12, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com.
General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.